0: Let us pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather here and to worship you. Lord, please continue to speak into our hearts, our minds, and our lives that which we need to hear this day and each day. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, For the scripture this morning, I was looking through the lectionary, which kind of is the, the, the thing that sets up our scriptures for each week and really fell in love with what was to be the Old Testament passage. Now the insert you have actually took the alternate Old Testament passage instead of the the one that is traditional. Uh, That said, I decided that the original passage was too good to pass up. And so it's from Hosea chapter 11, and if you have your Bible you can certainly look along. And as we continue forward, especially, I really do encourage you to bring your Bibles. But I'm going to read this to you, and I will uh, read some sections during the sermon, and so certainly you will not uh, miss out if you do not have that with you. And this is Hosea 11, starting at verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the balls, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt, and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans." My people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me the Most High God. I will by no means exalt them. How can I give up on you? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate you again. For I am God and not a man the Holy One among you, I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. I love this Old Testament scripture. In fact, uh, so often we don't look at or think about or wrestle with the Old Testament. In fact, sometimes I've gotten in the habit of not even calling it the Old Testament because for whatever reason in our culture we use that as an indication that that it's somehow irrelevant, which is dangerous on all fronts. And so sometimes to help myself, I like to call it the First Testament. It's important there is such richness, and there's great richness in this passage in Hosea that I want to share with you today. The title for this sermon is Patience. I will tell you it is perhaps the most hypocritical sermon title I have ever come up with. If you do not believe me, ask my wife, Jessica. You know, it is so true. In fact, unfortunately, both of my children have inherited that quality from me as evidenced by every single parent-teacher conference we have ever attended. Somewhere my mother is laughing. And so often in my impatience and our impatience there are non-well-meaning ways in which that comes out and there are well-meaning ways in which impatience can come out. For me some of the non-well-meaning ways of my lack of patience come out when I'm driving or when I'm waiting in line or as I said in children's time when I'm working on a project or when I'm driving, there are lots of places and times that that happens. But there's also times where my patience comes out, lack thereof that is, in well-meaning ways. I actually think of a story perhaps of one of the times where my lack of patience was well-meaning. I was a very young child and it was Father's Day. And I wanted to do something special for my dad. But I didn't want to wait for him to get up. I didn't want to wait for my mom to get up and help me. And so I wanted to figure this out on my own. And so I decided to make my dad breakfast in bed. And so I brought this big bowl of cereal up to him, and he was so delighted that his son had thought of him and that he had this big bowl of cereal, and him and my mom were sitting there beaming with pride as he enjoyed every morsel of this bowl of Cheerios or whatever it was. And he was so delighted. It was such a a good moment. They were so proud. But my mom, you know, as moms do, started to think for a minute. And she thought to herself, oh, the bowls for the cereal, the cereal bowls, they're up way high in the cupboards. And so she starts to wonder. And as she thinks about what could have happened while she was sleeping down in the kitchen. She, She finally just can't help herself anymore. She's She's worried that I'd climbed up on the counters and could have fallen, or maybe I knocked something over or broke something, or she would come downstairs to a kitchen full of broken bowls and dishes. And so she finally said to me, Marcus, how did you make this bowl of cereal? The bowls are so high. You didn't climb on the counter to get the bowls, did you? Knowing my impatience, she wondered. And I said, no, Mommy, I didn't climb on the counters. I just used the cat's dish. (laughs) Needless to say, that bowl of cereal my father had just finished took on a whole new meaning. Somewhere my mother is still laughing. This passage in Hosea really does speak to this issue of patience when it comes to God and our relationship with God. And there are three truths I want to share with you from this passage today that are important for us. The first and perhaps most important truth is that we are God's adopted children. We are God's adopted children. This is an important theme throughout the Old or the First Testament, whichever way you'd like to look at it. We see this with Israel. We see this with various characters throughout the Old Testament. It's a theme in the Gospel. We see this in the Gospel in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see this throughout the entire New Testament. We see this in Paul's writings, this theme of adoption. For Martin Luther... This notion of adopted, being adopted into God's family, being God's adopted children was a critical theme, a very critical theme. Over our many years together, you will hear me talk about this over and over again because it's that important. We are God's adopted children. We are chosen by the God of the universe to be his. God does not have to do that. God is not obligated to choose us as his children, to love us as his children. He cannot do any other, ironically. It's outside of God's character to do anything other than adopt us and love us as his children. But God does not do that out of obligation. There's interesting things when we begin to think about what it means to be God's chosen and adopted children, to be the adopted children of the God who created it all, who made made and makes everything around us possible, makes it all happen. It's pretty significant. My best friend and his wife are in this process, in the foster care process, in the adoption process, and I've learned much from watching them. What it means to choose a child, to take someone who hasn't had opportunity, doesn't have the blessing of a family, and to choose to bring them in, to choose to love them. You see, I for years preached about the unconditional love of God, thinking I had an even slight idea of what that was. Then Micah was born. And if you are a parent, you know when your first child comes and when every child comes you all of a sudden have this glimpse, this understanding of what the unconditional love of God is. And in this notion of adoption, God chooses us in spite of whatever we might come with, what's wrong with us, in spite of my impatience, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our rejection of Him. Over and over again, God chooses us as His adopted children. Some of our pets are rescues, And, uh, in fact, our one dog, Samantha, she's a rescue. And we know that she was abused. And we know from her nervousness about noises that she still runs to this day when she sees a broom. We know that she was abused. We know, too, from, from what we learned of her, that she wandered probably in the streets in the wilderness for a real long time on her own. And I remember when we went to the shelter in West Lafayette and we picked her to match our family. To, we brought our other dog to you know, test the compatibility and all of that. And we loved her. If you have pets, you know that you love them uniquely and in a special way. And so we chose her, but still to this day, even as we've cared for her and loved her and she's learned to trust us, she still has some of that baggage, some of that nervousness. In fact, Friday night, out where we were a little more south, the storm was something else. I mean, I was getting ready to build the ark. of grace bracing myself. And the, the, every time, the thunder and the lightning, even as soon as it starts raining, she wants to go and cower somewhere. She'd never done this before, but I was sitting on the couch and there was just one loud thing of thunder, and she climbed up into my lap, 48 pounds in all. Not a lap dog, by the way. And she just curled up and just buried her head under my arm. And every time the lightning would flash or the thunder would crack, she would shake violently. And there was something in that moment as I thought about this notion of adoption and who God is. And this little dog, because our pets teach us too. That God cares for us in that way. That in the midst of all of our stuff, and our fears, and our impatience, and our rejection, our ignoring of God, God chooses us and comforts us and is with us. We are God's adopted and chosen children. We are loved by the God of the universe. He has picked each one of us. This is such a powerful and important truth. The second truth from this passage I want to share with you that's very important is that God will not give up on us. Unlike me with projects or people driving slowly or or kids agitating me, God does not give up on us. God does not give up on us. As we choose to reject God, whether, whether we, it's the sins that we commit or the things that we fail to do, the things that we say this in our confession, if you've noticed this, the, the sins we commit and the things that we fail to do, or whether it's ignoring God or not embracing a relationship with God or all that God has for us, God is patient with us, more patient than we could ever comprehend or understand, certainly me, at least, God does not give up on us. In verse 8, How can I give up on you? How can I hand you over? My heart is changed within me. All of my compassion is aroused. That God does not give up on me. God does not give up on you. God does not give up on any of us. God has this continual, non-stop hope for us. God does not give up on his church, the big universal church that we say we believe in in the Apostles' Creed. God does not give up on any individual church. God continues to be patient with us, never giving up. I know, at times, I give up. God does not give up on his adopted children. And that is so powerful and so important the third truth i want to share with you from this passage is this god will restore us not only does god love us not only has god chosen us as his adopted children god will restore us god is in the business of taking the good the bad the indifferent the ugly and redeeming it, making it new. I think this is one of God's attributes that I delight in the most, that God redeems and makes all things new, that God will restore us, each one of us. God will restore his church. God is in the business of restoration. Verse 7, Even though my people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God most high. God restores us. God restores us over and over and over again. We see this in the story of Israel. Every time they reject and walk away from God, God restores them. This is the message of Jesus Christ, that God would send his son, his only son to earth, to die so that we can be restored so that we can be in relationship with God, because there is nothing, nothing in the universe, nothing under the sun, nothing in the solar system or the galaxies, the universes, anywhere, that God craves more than a relationship with his adopted children. And so over and over again, in the midst of my impatience, in the midst of my failures, in the midst of my successes, God, over and over God will over and over again restore each one of you. That God does not lose hope. That God does not give up. We see this. We see this throughout the Scripture. We see this in the story of the prodigal son. Maybe you remember, we'll be talking about this in September this parable of the son who says to his father, Father, give me what is mine, half my inheritance. And and, and in that culture, it's basically like saying to the father, you are dead to me. And he goes and he wastes it all, and and it's gone. And he's basically living with the pigs, eating what the pigs eat. And he says, surely I, I can have a better life by being one of my father's servants. And so he goes back to be his father's servant. And it says in the scripture, while he was still a long way off, down the road, the father saw him. And he couldn't even wait. He threw off his coat. And he ran to his son that's the restoration of god for us peter jesus's friend who always putting his foot in his mouth said lord i will never betray you and jesus says three times peter and he does it peter three times denies jesus and the next time they encounter each other at the seashore jesus restores peter three times he talks to peter about love and forgiveness three times one for each time that Peter had denied him. God continually restores us. And if we're honest with ourselves, right here, now, in this moment, if we really think about this, if you really think about this, if I really think about this, we all need restoration. We all need to be restored. There is something, at least one something, if not more, in us that needs to be restored. Something about us, some relationship, some situation, some experience, something from our present, something that has to do with our future, something from our past needs to be restored. And God is in the restoration business. God is in the business of healing. The question we have to ask ourselves, the question I have to ask myself, What needs to be restored? What in me? What about me? What in us? What about us needs to be restored by the power of God? That's the question. In fact, I want to urge you to really consider that this day. What in you needs God's restoration? What in you do you need to be reminded that you are God's loved and adopted child? God has not, will not give up on you, that God is not disappointed in you. What in you needs restoration? I would encourage you, in fact, as we think about this and pray about this and to continue to do so, as we come to the table today for communion, that is one of the best times in our service and our weekly time together to seek the restoration of God, to ask God to restore that which needs to be restored body and blood of Jesus Christ can take on a new meaning for us. You see, we are God's chosen and loved children. The one who made and created it all. has picked us. Each one of us. And loves us more than we could ever know. More than I could ever love my puppy. More than we could ever love anyone in our lives. And God has now will not ever give up on us. But more than that, God desires to restore us and to make us new. Worship you this day and with our lives, as we go into our day and our week and all the days that lie ahead. Help us to look to you for restoration. As we come and we gather at the table this day, may we seek, use that as an opportunity to seek restoration from you where we need it most. God, we thank you that you have chosen us and that you choose us over and over again. That you're patient with us. That you never, ever, ever give up. Desire to restore us. Lord, help us have the courage to seek that restoration each and every day.